This podcast is about getting spooked for fun, and the hosts aren't associated with the attractions discussed in any way, except for all those skeletons in my closet. Some of the topics we discuss may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome back to our YouTube channel where we talk about spooks and ghouls and ghasts and ghosts. Adam, what's up? Our YouTube channel. Yeah, it's our YouTube channel. This, this is an is audio YouTube medium. Now, and we do we do top 10 scariest scares. But I record day. I don't think we can't do a YouTube medium because I report I record this podcast in my underwear. So now you tell me. <laughs> After I already have all of these YouTube sponsors that are ready to go. All right, enough with the goose. Hello and welcome to The Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Adam O'Connell. And today we are going to take that cool uh, 90s computer and ride the cyber waves into the internet. Why is it a 90s computer? You know how like all the things in the 90s where people got like sucked into TV shows or sucked into the computer? They were all from the 90s. That was the image that was in my head. So now we're doing that, but with YouTube. Yeah, now YouTube, not 90s YouTube. Right, because that's not a... That was just a tube that you you would hold. Um, Your tube. Today we're going to talk about horror on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, This is the first part of what's going to be a three-part mini-series, a podcast within a podcast, about the different aspects of horror on the internet. Uh, So we'll talk about horror in the age of the World Wide Web. The first episode is this one, it's YouTube. The next one will be video games. And then finally, we'll cover the world of creepypasta. Yeah, the the internet is a great uh, place for any artist, any filmmaker, anyone who makes things to showcase their stuff. And thusly, it's become a great place for people who make horror things to showcase what they've made at different budgets, everything from big name directors to people just making some fun stuff on their computer on a Tuesday. And we can explore all of that. Yeah, I I think one of the things that I don't know if it's come up a lot in this podcast, but we will talk about it next week with video games. There's a thing about horror, which is when a medium like the internet is created and is opened up and the barrier to entry for creating media is lower than usual, the genre that gains the most from that is horror. Because, at least in my opinion, mainstream culture does not do horror particularly well a lot of the time because it it serves as an average, uh, a comfortable space for people to exist. So when more indie, more amateur quote unquote, not in terms of quality, but in terms of, you know, notoriety, when they have access to creating horror content, it's often far more compelling or at least as compelling as the like big names in the horror scene. Yeah. And I feel like it's often more more appreciated on the Internet as well. I mean, you notice that at the Oscars, especially the past Oscars, we had films like Us and Midsommar, which were masterpieces and were not honored. Um, And so I feel like the Internet is a great place to like it's a place where horror is very often celebrated and especially on YouTube. It's really exciting to see people sharing what they've made. Some of it is absolutely horrifying. Some of it's not that great. A lot of it is really, really good. 
Um, some of them are intentionally, as some of the ones we're going to talk about today, are intentionally created to be horror pieces. And some of them are just scary on accident, which is great and even scarier, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about a few different pieces. And I think from watching what I watched today from your list you gave me, mm-hmm. um, I've watched some of these, uh, you know, growing up and stuff. But now as like a, a grown man, I guess, <laughs> as close as I can get. Uh, they kind of fall into a few different categories, one of them being just vaguely unsettling, mm-hmm. um, which I think are the best, in my in my opinion, as we'll talk about. And then there is the kind of uh, flashy, in-your-face horror, which mm-hmm. I, I personally don't like as much, but mm-hmm. is still super, super, super interesting and super built to fit internet media, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, we're only going to be talking about stuff that was made for YouTube or became famous on YouTube. So nothing that's like a clip from a movie or a TV show or stuff that was right. t- like, I'm not going to talk about any of those, um, the videos that have gone viral that are like scary things interrupting news broadcasts. Well, I love those. I think they're very scary. That's not really like YouTube's medium. It just ended up on YouTube. Right. And we won't yeah. talk about like Too Many Cooks, which right. like got popular on YouTube, but was originally an Adult Swim. Eventually sketch. on this podcast, we will talk about Too Many Cooks and Unadvented of Bear and stuff like that, but not this episode. Yes. Also, a lot of these are related to creepypastas and connected to them. So if we get there, I'll talk briefly about them. But since creepypastas are getting their own episode, we won't go too much into that. Beautiful. What's our first piece of media yeah so the first uh thing i want to talk about which is one of my favorite horrors things on youtube series videos is don't hug me i'm scared of course a classic uh, came out when we were in eighth grade i believe in 2011 so that yeah that would have been yeah. Eighth, yeah seventh or eighth grade um so it is a youtube horror series consisting of six episodes by uh british filmmakers becky sloan and joseph pelling who uh, run a production company called This Is It. Um, The first episode was released on July 29th, 2011. And as of today, the first video has 59 million views. Wow. So many. So the uh, the episodes are wild. The episodes are formatted. The the kind of shtick is that it's a children's television show using a mix of puppets and animation, mostly puppets, very similar to Sesame Street is like the immediate connection that you'll make. And each episode, there's these three characters, the red guy, the yellow guy and duck. And they uh, are learning a new lesson from a new character that comes and sings a song of about something you learn on a kid's show. So about like creativity, time, love, computers, healthy eating and dreams are the six episodes. Obviously, like halfway through, they take a turn usually a turn towards graphic violence. Like in the one about time, they start aging rapidly and their skin and hair starts to like melt and fall off. Um, And then in the one about love, the one who sings it is a butterfly, tries to get the yellow guy to join this like love cult. It's like a soft comment on religion because they, they, they want him to join this cult so he'll be loved forever and never be alone. And then in the healthy eating one, the uh, yellow guy ends up eating the duck. Yeah. Standard kid duck show good stuff. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the filmmakers Sloan and Pelling met at Kingston University and made the first episode in their free time with no budget. It wasn't commissioned. That's... It wasn't a project. They just made it. Yeah, that's insane. Because yeah. as you have in the notes, the production like quality of that episode, I mean, all of them are top notch, but like mm-hmm. that episode specifically, like 
it looks like like there's a reason that it fooled all of my friends in eighth grade. Yeah. Is because it looks like a, a PBS set. Yeah, it's beautifully done. The puppets are all hand built and amazing. They eventually, after the first episode went viral, a uh, second episode was commissioned by Britain's Channel 4. But after that, they turned down commissions for further episodes because they wanted to have freedom to kind of do what they want with the series. They didn't want to have to censor themselves or do a specific thing to please a sponsor or someone who gave them a commission. I did read they, they eventually started a Kickstarter and I did read a very funny tidbit about a 12 year old boy who used a credit card number he found on the Internet to try and donate thirty five thousand pounds to this Kickstarter <laughs> to make more Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. That's very good. I love that boy. But um, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit uh, a little bit about the actual videos. Yeah. Which how many did you see? Because I know I sent you a couple of them. I only watched one. The today. first one. I watched the one. Yeah. The one that I remember because I wanted to see if I if I still remembered it. Mm -hmm. I, I think this uh, this video started a kind of revival of of this kind of horror on YouTube, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. of this like viral style that like Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared would end up on the featured page on YouTube, which is yeah. not normal for uh, viral horror stuff for YouTube. But it, it kind of set this trend that other videos would follow. And it kind of got in right around the, the growth of horror video games on YouTube, as we'll talk about next week. But I have a problem with it. And it's not it. It's not the creator's fault. Mm -hmm. I, I think that these are, are very clearly uh really well thought out pieces of art that are commenting on uh children's television mm -hmm. but to me because of the the way especially in the past year or two that children's youtube has has become a, a focal point of of criticism there is a real danger with pieces like don't hug me i'm scared which are satire of children's television but because of how discourse works there are definitely people who think it's just supposed to be like to scare children. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously that's not the fault of the creators, but I do think it falls into this kind of pit of being inappropriate uh, material that may prey upon children, even if that's not the intent. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought of it in relation to kind of the modern thing of children's YouTube and what's happened to it. And I will say in that maybe it has aged a little weirdly right but i think i feel like the the original because this these also started to come out before we thought of youtube as its own medium like it being different for from sure. tv or its different from film um yeah. yeah its own platform so at the time i feel like it wasn't necessarily at the time it wasn't necessarily commenting on children's youtube but corporate right. i think it's commenting on corporate influence in children's television and it reflects in them not wanting a commission or a sponsor because i feel like the characters in don't hug me i'm scared are on a children's television show that is being corrupted by some outside corporate influence that is because these the, the, the singers that are violently pushing certain ideals as fact it particularly comes up in the healthy eating episode where I always thought of it as um, like when you see cereals and stuff advertised on children's television, um, how the characters in the healthy eating episode are saying like, oh, if you like pizza is a good food, never mind. Pizza is a bad food. Only eat this. Never mind. That's a bad food. Only eat this, depending on like the, the current sponsor. Um, right. But then thinking of it and as a, a piece of like objectively just what it is by itself 
I could see how it could easily become one of those videos where a parent thought that it was a fun little children's television thing and then ended up being something dark. Right. And obviously that's not the fault of, of no, the creators not at who all. I think have genuinely created something that I, I'm kind of obsessed with. This mm-hmm. this commentary on children's television. I think the creativity one, the one that I ended up watching today, just the 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 seminal quote that you hear of what color is it? Uh, green is green not a is creative, not a creative color. color. Like very clearly is like, oh, children's television often serves to just brainwash the kids watching it, I think is an interesting one. I think there are some interesting, more nuanced arguments to be made about <laughs> the idea of critiquing like public access television in yeah. this way is not particularly helpful because mm-hmm. PBS and uh, different publicly funded children's television is incredibly important and provides yes. an entertainment source for children who are... Uh, uh, underprivileged and all that so there's like so much stuff around don't hug me i'm scared that i think we could make a whole journalistic podcast about it yeah but i like it yeah and also <laughs> it's, it's just as as a piece of horror it is truly very scary yes i will say i yes, honestly is- think the first one is the least scary and the first one's pretty scary but they only get yeah. scarier as they go on. Yeah, I think in a previous episode, I had mentioned that in my head, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared was not particularly horror. I thought it was more gory, but rewatching. Um, and I watched a, a few of the other ones last week when we started mm-hmm. talking about them. Yeah, yeah, just really, I think, doesn't actually fit into my ideas, my, my two different archetypes in that it is not like it's not slasher jump scary Mm-mm. horror. It is just like true like almost Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. It's some uh, kind of abomination. It's really impressive. Yeah. It's really, really impressive. And I, I especially like in, in the first format. one, when things start to take a turn and they become, they turn from the puppets to these humans in costumes. That in itself is unsettling because we had suddenly become very familiar with the way these puppets look and are now dealing with things with larger limbs and longer legs and arms. And the way that they move, the kind of jerky dancing that they do, and when they're all hugging each other in the circle, is very, very scary. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, fascinating. All right, let's move on, because I want to talk about Salad Fingers. Yes, Salad Fingers. Everyone remembers Salad Fingers. We all got dared to watch it in elementary school or middle school. So it's a flash animation web series created by English animator David Firth. Um, it, the first one was published to YouTube in July 2005 and currently has 36 million views. All right. Um, so it follows the titular Salad Fingers, who is this green, a uh, supposedly mutated man living in this like desolate, yeah. apocalyptic looking desert world. It's kind of assumed to take place somewhere in the UK because of the accents and the mention of real places in the UK. Um, and some people have uh, put up theories that it's a, a war commentary and this is supposed to be a post-nuclear bomb universe or a post some kind of post-war universe. Um, so the first episode is called Spoons, um, which is probably the one that everybody has seen. There's actually 11 episodes total, I believe. The most recent one coming out recently is a year or two years ago. Um, but in spoons, yeah. he uh, it's a shorter video where he talks about his love of rusty spoons and other rusty objects. And I think the scariest and most torturous part of this video is the sounds. Yeah, that's what I, I want to get to. I want to get to the sound. So let's kind of run through the rest of these yeah. notes uh, so the, that we can yeah. then talk about. It totally blew up culturally 
Um, the San Francisco Chronicle rated it in the top 10 cultural phenomena for 2005. Um, and this is a fun fact that I found. The background music for Salad Fingers is a theremin played by Ringo Starr, like ah, the Beatles yes. guy. The the fourth best Beatle and <laughs> not the best drummer in the Beatles, according to John Lennon. Yeah, but he is playing the theremin on the music for Salad Fingers. Yeah. Yeah. And and as you have we ha- we have our notes, it kind of gets back to the the sounds. So this uh, became uh, a theme that I was looking for as I watched the rest of the videos I was assigned for homework. <laughs> the sound design in these videos is some of the most fascinating stuff about them. I, I think internet culture. I mean, we're listening to you guys are listening to a podcast right now. There is a uh, been a resurgence in uh, appreciation for the audio medium separate from music in this internet era and i think in horror um it does something really specific so i personally have some some kind of audio syndrome or disability or something uh where i get bad asmr from everything Mm -hmm. where certain sounds of specifically like nails on stuff uh silverware anything that scratches another thing makes me feel like i'm hearing nails on a chalkboard it is literally the nega asmr it's the worst yeah that being said i loved the sounds <laughs> in salad fingers see which is so weird that is weird i'm totally not an asmr person like there's some things i like the ones where it's like a little piece of fabric like next to your yeah. ear i also i i take it back i do like like the ear cleaning asmrs those are very good <laughs> Okay. But other than that, I don't get a lot of like ASMR sensations, but the sounds in this give me the bad tingles. Like <laughs> That's so interesting. It might be because when I was watching Salad Fingers, I just so I wasn't scared at all by it, which I like mm-hmm. I wasn't really expecting to be genuinely scared by any of these. Um what I was looking for was this kind of unsettling feeling that I I enjoy. That's the reason I really love SCP stuff as we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And Salad Fingers just didn't get there for me. It might be the 2005 Flash style of animation that makes me think of like the ends of Z World and oh yeah and uh, Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny. <laughs> but it didn't really get me, so I so I was really able to kind of step back and just kind of view this thing. It is so fascinating. I think that like we talked about in Creature Feature, a great episode, the the visceralness of the voices in this the way the child in spoons doesn't actually speak but just makes this horrid noise Mm -hmm. and the sound of salad fingers fingers on the (sighs) on the rusty spoon is so tactile and it so clearly contrasts the cartoony flash animation and does not line up with the flash animation it just makes for a, a really fascinating package that a lot of these looking back, the ones that I like was aware of, it just occurs to me that like people were just making weird art and just, us yeah. in like elementary and middle school were like, oh my God, it's so scary. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just like weird art. Yeah, I know. It's that reminds good. me of how, do you remember like when you were a kid or a teenager and you would see something like you would see something and go like, oh, whoever made that was on drugs. And now that I've like right. gone to art school, I look back, I'm like, that's like, no, that's just non-mainstream art. Right. It's just somebody making like making a thing that came into their head. Yeah. And and just putting it on the page or the the, the screen. And it's it's really fascinating, which brings us to my new obsession. Thanks uh, to 
ah! doing the viewing for this episode, which is Local 58. It's a horror series written by Chris Straub. Yeah. And he wrote Creepypasta. So you, yeah. you take this. Yeah, he wrote my favorite Creepypasta, Candle Cove, which we will talk about in the Creepypasta. Have you read that one? Uh, no, I haven't. It's I my will favorite one. Creepypasta yeah, we'll talk about it in the Creepypasta episode. So Local 58 is uh, the, the first video, which is entitled You Are on the Fastest Available Route was published on October 30th. I didn't put the year, which was very silly of me. Uh, you were on the fastest available route. I believe it was 2018. Uh. No, 2017. Pardon me. I just got so excited, but I knew it was recent, but it currently has 1.2 million views. The channel yeah, is... And... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. Um. So all of these videos are set in a... Uh, a fictional county public access channel mm -hmm. in which these strange interruptions are happening. Uh, you are on the fastest available route is not in this cinematic universe, but well, it kind of is because it's got the local 58 logo. On. Doesn't it have the right. beginning? Like it's being broadcast on the TV. I, I didn't think so. I thought it was just well, maybe supposed it... to be like dash cam mm -hmm. stuff, which the, so uh, you're on the fastest where is it? So I have it. Yeah, right. you're on the fastest, you're on the fastest available, route. available route is a dash cam video of a car um, in the rain driving along and being told by the GPS voice where to go and ends up in a back an access road that nobody's supposed to be on. And then eventually they crash and it is a beautifully done video at the end. I think there are aliens, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's so good. And yeah. uh, it's all in the dark. And what what I got from it is it looks any of you other upstate New Yorkers, it looks exactly like driving down the Hudson on 9W <laughs> and passing the, the big bridge between Kingston and, and, and Poughkeepsie, uh, mm. which is like, I know that that was what was intended because it is so, it's not supposed to be upstate New York. It's supposed to be anywhere. The, right. The Riverside Highway where you are in the, yeah. the United States. It's like so good. My favorite of the videos was contingency. Yeah. Um. One thing about you are on the fastest available route. It's uh. What's scary about scariest about this and all the local fifty eight videos, I think, is that of the way that this this GPS kind of takes a turn from saying very normal GPS directions is she starts saying things like turn onto like restricted access road or unnamed road and then like turn right. off your headlights. That is very scary. Anything I talked earlier in this podcast about how I think breaking and subverting expectations is the best way to do horror. And that is so easy with technology because it's so familiar to us. We know what a GPS is supposed to say and what it's supposed to sound like. So as soon as it says right. something that doesn't follow that track, it's scary. Yeah. And I think uh, another aspect is taking uh, things that have that are really prevalent and have a lot of authority in our mm -hmm. lives. So for people that like commute or drive a lot, Hearing that GPS voice is really normal mm -hmm. and following the directions becomes kind of subconscious. So when you're watching that video and you're listening, you're like, oh, right, it's direct. It's directions. I recognize this voice. And then that and not only is it subverting the expectation, but it is using this voice that has a lot of authority in most people's minds and then having it do these really creepy things. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think most of the local 58 videos do really well. Weather service does that incredibly well because weather service uh, has a like an emergency broadcast system. Yeah, which uh, is already one of up. the scariest noises in the universe. But it is also so it's like the fire alarm at school mm -hmm. where it is. It's supposed to be jarring and alarming and scary, but 
we hear it so often because we do fire drills and every Wednesday in New York state, <laughs> the emergency broadcast system tests itself. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that is supposed to be scary and never really is because it gets dulled over the years and years of hearing it. But what this video does so well is it makes it about, it, there seems to be a war going on within this, this TV, within this system mm-hmm. um, where uh, the warning is to not look at the moon. Yeah. And there's no more information given. Uh, they say, don't look at the moon, don't go outside. And then something else takes over the screen, but it still looks exactly the same. But the, the image says that announcement was a mistake. Please ignore it. Yeah, go and outside. And to go outside. And then it cuts back and it says, don't look up, don't look outside, stay away from the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes people talking about each other. Like, uh, I saw him through the mirror. Yeah. I, I became him. And then it cuts to a live feed of the moon and people screaming. Yeah, I, I, I love weather service. I, I think weather service is very good, but I want to talk about contingency yeah. because I think it does something that the other two don't. Yeah, contingency, um, contingency I think is the scariest Local 58 video. Yeah, and I also think it's the best made. Mm-hmm. So contingency is this government message, which is from the uh, Department of Maintaining uh, American Dignity. Mm-hmm. And it's presented as it's like late at night. It's like 3 a.m. on this local access broadcast. And it's like, 3 a.m. paid programming and then it cuts out and this government message starts to play and it is made clear that it is to be broadcast in case of a total defeat of the United States in a war. Yeah. By some, I think it says insurmountable military force, unspecified right. as to what by, it is. By an invasion. Something. Yeah. yeah. And it is, there are like, don't air after 1973. So it's very, uh, it's pretty clearly in historical context, supposed to be a... Uh, an homage to like nuclear yeah uh war messages that would go out in the 50s and 60s so the idea is the united states has been defeated and it calls on all citizens to do their duty and it's not clear what that duty is until Until. later in the video so it says yeah it says do what you can right now yeah every man and woman must step up you take Um, america with you right take america with you uh we have been defeated but we will find victory in living on like having the american ideals live on yeah it's like they they can never take our spirit right uh and then it is you will all be we will all be remembered Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh wait what's going on and then it says place the muzzle uh, you need a firearm place the muzzle like at the roof of your mouth and fire yeah so that's like the victory position which is dying face up on their front lawns and it ends with this weird like flash screen where uh, i had to pause it multiple times Mm -hmm. it says the 51st state is not a place yeah and then it flashes away and then there's a message from the president and it's uh supposed to be lyndon b johnson well yeah that's not the beginning but at the end it's the uh the the station comes back right so it's saying like oh i've done everything now it's time for you to do it Mm -hmm. sincerely we love you your president (laughs) lyndon b johnson yeah and then it cuts cuts off and then the public access feed comes back and it says oh we're so sorry that was a hoax won't happen again but then during that another screen flashes with another government message which shows that that image was prepared in case of an accidental airing Mm -hmm. of the contingency footage yeah so there's so many layers going on good and what i think that video does best is it never stops being that one thing I think yeah. weather service by showing the live feed at the end kind of takes you out of the fiction of it. Like, I guess the idea is that they're airing 
that the the hijacker of the public broadcast is now just pointing a camera at the moon. Yeah. Which is which is a neat idea. But I think that like adding the people screaming kind of it gives the viewer a connection to make that makes them feel less alone and less scared and less mm-hmm. offset. I think yeah. similarly with you were on the fastest available route, the ending when there's like an explosion and fire and then you can see that the screen is cracked and then there's like mm-hmm. a bright light. I think that serves as a kind of out uh, for the viewer again of like, oh, this is the ending yeah. of the story being told in this video. And I think contingency just leaves it you. really never lets go. And it only gets worse yeah. as it goes on. Right. Like the, the reveal of information is so well done. Yeah. And I think what all three of them do and all the look videos do really well is then at the end, the credit sequence plays, which I so appreciate with these kinds of videos mm-hmm. because I really love creepy stuff. I've never been a horror person, but like reading creepypastas, I always liked like the, the fact that then the artist is like, hey, I made this. Yeah. Is you remember really like, nice... oh, yeah, I was watching a short film. Like I was watching something somebody made. Right. Which is such a cool and comforting and nice way to end a video like that. Yeah. It's just so, so, so cool. I'm in love with it. And I feel like it's something we often forget when we talk about scary YouTube videos. Like they didn't just end up on YouTube. Like this is an art piece that somebody made. Right. And the, kind of the whole point of this podcast is looking at why we view these things and how they interact with our culture. And I think one of the most important things is realizing that these are products that people are making and putting out into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Local 58 is genius. I literally am currently finishing up a tabletop RPG campaign that I wrote that is based on Local 58. That's so good. You should check out their other videos, too. They have, uh, besides the three that we mentioned, they have Show for Children, uh, Real Sleep, and Skywatching, which are all really good. Um, Skywatching is not my favorite, but Real Sleep and uh, Show for Children are both excellent. Um, And I also, because of them, I've gotten a lot more into the kind of emergency alert system genre of horror, which is very prevalent on YouTube. There's a lot of like amateur video makers and amateur horror makers making like EA, scary EAS broadcasts, and they're all very scary and I enjoy them very much. Yeah, just so, so, so fascinating. I'm obsessed with civic imagery just in general, Mm -hmm. broadcasts and flags and signage, and I'm obsessed with all of it. So I knew you would like this one. Yeah, so, so, so cool. Let's talk about the next one. Yeah, so uh, we'll move away from series and start to talk about some individual videos. And this video is actually a little bit different because it was not intended to be created as a horror piece. It was just a video that came out creepy. It's called yeah. I Feel Fantastic. So uh-huh. it uh, was originally posted on YouTube by a user uh, called Creepy Blog 10 years ago but was presumably made before that because creepy blog is not the person who made it and has since racked up over 22 million views. Yeah. And it's this amazing woman who's a robot. (laughs) Yeah. And she has gorgeous blonde hair. She kind of looks like Taylor Swift. Kind of looks like Taylor Swift. I was about to say a robot Taylor Swift, but just Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah. And it's this like really nice synth voice, uh, almost vocaloid. Like you, you have later in our notes, it says, it says an early Hatsune Miku. <laughs> it is very vocaloid esque. It's, uh, it is not a vocaloid because it is much easier for an American ear to understand. Yeah. But the woman is singing a song called I Feel Fantastic. Yeah. Which the lyrics of are, she goes, I feel fantastic. Hey, hey, hey. You feel fantastic. Hey, hey, hey. And there are more lyrics, but yes. those are my favorite ones. Um, so yeah, which yes, <laughs> go on. No, I was just going to go on my next note. 
No, no, no. You you go on. Okay. We'll talk. <laughs> so uh, she's an android. Her name is uh, Tara, and she was originally created by John Bergeron, not to be confused with that very good boy, Tom Bergeron, who hosts right. Dancing with the Stars in America's Funniest Home Videos. This is a different yeah, man. Not him. Not him. Very sad. Um, he, she was created in 2003 by John Bergeron. Um, and from what I could research, uh, there's not a lot known much else about this video. But according to John, she's made from about $2,000 worth of materials and parts. And allegedly, her whole base part is a dental training mannequin. Ah. And uh, explain the, the really the articulated mouth. <laughs> Bergeron wanted to make her kind of like a robot singing star because this was 2003. And singing robots right. were kind of like just a theme park thing or just a Disney thing. So he his yeah, whole just thing a Chuck E. Cheese thing. Yeah. His whole thing was that he wanted to make a singing robot that he could like take on the road for some shows. Yeah. So I get that. And mm-hmm. and as you say, uh, he originally didn't intend it to be creepy, but he agreed that it was a bit spooky, mm-hmm. which yeah, John <laughs> The framing of your shot is that she's in seemingly the main room of a motel Mm -hmm. and she is sitting there and then she randomly cuts like not to get blue, but, you know, (laughs) this is such a stupid reference. (laughs) But, you know, in porn, they always have really weird film cuts. Sure. Where the the two people doing it are doing one thing and then it just cuts and you can tell that 15 minutes have passed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something completely different. And that's what she does, except she's one person. She's not a person. She's a robot and she's singing and she's standing. (laughs) And then she's just like sitting in a totally different outfit with her legs crossed and she's then singing again. It is so unsettling. Mm-hmm. like it, it it can't have been an accident like that is you think how... this was intentionally created as a horror piece i don't i i trust john i trust john to be true to me okay and to his father thomas but <laughs> something te- something tells me uh but it's a very good video uh i do think one of the lyrics seem to be her saying run yes she uh, does say run at one point doesn't seem to be accidental but let's move on to <laughs> A video I didn't like. Yeah, this is a controversial one. I love Tara. Um, This is a controversial one. This one is called Agamemnon Counterpart. Um, It is a short, like, minute and a half animation created by two film students, Michael Robinson and Jason Kovac, in 2001. And it was originally posted to YouTube on June 13th, 2006. Um, It has 2.7 million views as of today. And they, when they made that, I read online that they uh, said when they made it, they made it, quote, both to celebrate and denounce the analog to digital TV transition in the United States. So if we're thinking 2001, that's mostly when analog right. to digital was starting. Happening. Yeah. It begins with the one thing about it that I like, <laughs> which is it says in the year 2571, a video cassette tape was found in a pile of rubble on the ruins of a certain blue planet. What you're about to witness will not be the contents of the aforementioned cassette. This is an entirely different recording. <laughs> Like, okay, yes, go off. Yes, yeah. wig. Love it. Like, that's a neat thing. It, it, it's a bit, uh, it kind of walks a line between uh, genuine creepy writing and, and kind of potted. Yeah, it's a little silly. Yeah, it's a little bit silly. Certain blue planet. But like, overall, hell yeah. But then the rest of the video happens. And yeah. it's bad. The it's whole video. a bunch of. Yeah, there's no real way to like describe the plot of it. I think it is creepy, but it's a lot of kind of psychedelic seeming clips that are like children's animation, but 
also it's it's very much in the style of like the animation reminds me of like the the kids on Captain Planet that kind of nineties esque yeah. animation or reboot. Um, but in this psychedelic kind of warped sense, and then there's the, a very clear audio of a man screaming over it yeah. for the whole thing, and that's yeah. the whole video. And uh, like I spoke about, like the audios of these videos is, have been so fascinating to me. I think one of the things that Local Fifty Eight does so well is it warps and plays with the audio brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what comes to mind is in Contingency, there's the the warping of the national anthem and then it becomes my country tis of thee yeah which i believe was one of the like songs written to uh instill loyalty in the Mm -hmm. united states like even even the the video that's not made to be creepy i feel fantastic the audio of it is creepy it enhances the creepiness going on because of this robot woman's voice agamemnon is just somebody screaming with some music and like some static Mm -hmm. and that's it and it's so sad. Like it, it, it honestly feels like something that somebody saw other horror stuff, other creepy internet horror content, and then went out, set out to make something like it. Yeah. It feels like the YouTube horror equivalent of an old Flash game where you would play as SpongeBob and you'd kill uh, Peter Griffin. Okay. I kind of see what you, know? you mean. I'm not the biggest fan of this one. Um, I think it's okay. I do think it's a little bit creepy. Um, there was a rumor or like a hoax going around on the internet that kind of made this it the reason why this video blew up was that the the creepy pasta attached to it was that the audio of the man screaming was from a real like crime audio for of an attack on a a violent attack on a Japanese student, but that was proven to be completely made up and like for the creepy pasta sense, but it's what made this video blow yeah. up and i think on its own it wouldn't have blown up in the way that it did because it is creepy but it's got the thing where we talked about uh, a little bit about this in creature feature where you can't add things just to be to make it scarier what makes it yeah, scary is adding them adding to the story right and and i think like to me learning about that hoax is like that makes me like it even less mm-hmm. almost there's like I'm I'm not accusing the creators of making up this host hoax, but mm-hmm. for like somebody to be watching it on YouTube and be like, oh, this doesn't have em- enough views. Let's make up. Let's let's create a victim of an attack. Mm-hmm. Like that's so lame. Yeah. <laughs> like they should have just shown us the videotape that they found in the rubble. On yeah, the I want to see that one. Little blue planet that you might have heard of. Called what is it? Earth. <laughs> I wonder what that is. <laughs> yeah, the final video. Yeah. Which I do like was a uh, dining room or there is nothing. Yeah. Um, so this is a short horror film directed by David B. Earl. It was originally released on YouTube in 2006. It's a fairly simple video. It consists of a girl who's got kind of got like ghostly white skin and long black hair sitting at a table with a spoon and a bowl while there's like a fire outside. And there's kind of some creepy sounding music in the background and then she says something in a kind of robotic voice that doesn't sound like actual words and then she face plants into her bowl for a little bit and then (laughs) then the video reverses and she sits back up and then it's the same thing in reverse and she says there is nothing and then the video ends air quote it is meant to be looped which sucks for youtube because that's not really a like you can loop stuff on youtube but not in a kind of stop freeway this was on vine yeah on the director's website he said when looped there is no actual beginning or end and no real sense of where the beginning and end actually are 
The piece was inspired by a personal paradoxical desire for empirical proof that there is nothing on the, quote, other side of life. I wanted to blur the distinction between the two states and to state the paradox by showing someone who is coming back from life or death and denies its existence, thereby fulfilling the paradox. So in the video, she's dying and then coming back to life to say there is nothing, as in there is nothing past death. But then if you loop it, she right, dies like she again. she went there. Yeah. Yeah. She like went and then came back. And like, we've all been there. We've all been waking up at 7.30 when for our 8 a.m. class, we need to have a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> and then we face plant into the bowl for a little bit. And we wake back up and go, there is nothing. And then yeah. we stand up. And we take it to the sink. Yeah, I actually, I really enjoyed this video. I, yeah. As you say in our notes, like, this seems like a museum piece. It seems like something that would be at the Whitney Yes, the, I, I totally got Whitney vibes from this. There, there's an oddity to the set where it almost seems like a like a fake house built on a soundstage. the The lighting is interesting. The performance is interesting. The face plant into the <laughs> spaghettios is great. <laughs> yeah, I really it's a it's a simple succinct video where like the message isn't like crystal clear but it's clear that there is a message yeah you know I, mean? I didn't i remember the first time watching this and i i didn't get this message i just kind of took it as like a creepy youtube thing but now knowing yeah. the intention and kind of the how the story is that she is dying coming back and dying and coming back and fulfilling this paradox i think it's even scarier yeah and it, it i think it's also that also just makes it more interesting i, th- I feel like this is something we would watch and then discuss in writing the essay yeah like it feels oh, like absolutely a piece that somebody made in tish uh which is is really cool yeah which is, and that's so expert because it's so short it's so succinct yeah there's nothing superfluous yeah. and then going back to what we were saying about like not just adding things that's scary everything that's happening in it right. has something to do with like he didn't just add something that's like oh wouldn't that be creepy if x y and z like everything right is part of it the idea informed the content the content informed the idea and it is just the idea and nothing more i think that's what we've kind of learned yeah today from looking at a bunch of very good videos and then one not so good video (laughs) in our opinion yeah but the youtube horror well is way deeper than this this is barely scratching the surface so i highly if you look up like cursed videos or YouTube horror or like what's that thing on the internet people say oh nightmare fuel um if you look up any of that on YouTube you'll get dozens of playlists of just some of the the best that YouTube horror has to offer and I highly and most of them are really short like there's some long ones like Sal fingers don't hug me I'm scared but a lot of them are like 40 second little short scary videos and I highly recommend just taking a dive and finding some of your favorites yeah I, I think what I would suggest which is what I did today if you go to something like Local 58 or to uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, and then you fall down the hole from there, you mm-hmm. you look at the recommended, uh, that may help to kind of curb some of the like weird gore videos or yeah. um, real crime videos that sometimes pop up. Uh, yeah. Because that's not horror. That's not art. That's just bad. Yeah. Uh, and that's and not if, what we talk about on this podcast. If you enjoy any of these videos, any of the videos that you find, and the, the creator is obvious or it's the creator's channel. Look at the rest of their channel because chances are there's going to be a lot more of stuff of their stuff that you're going to like. Um, the the yeah, company that does a like and subscribe <laughs> and a comment below and check out their Patreon. The, the company that did Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Uh, this is it has some awesome non Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared videos on their 
Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared YouTube channel that you should absolutely check out. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for us. Yeah, I think so. Thank you so much for listening to this, our 10th episode of The Great American Scream. Uh, If you liked the episode, be sure to uh, rate and review it on whatever podcast service you are listening to us on. We are now on Spotify, which is very exciting. Uh, But if you're listening to us on something like iTunes, please rate and review us. It really does help a lot. And the best way to help us out if you enjoy the show is to tell a friend. People are not joking when they say word of mouth is the best advertising. When you hear from a friend, hey, I think you would enjoy this podcast, that actually means something. And it it genuinely converts people into listeners, uh, which is what we like to do. Adam, could you pimp our social media? Yes, you can follow us on Twitter at Great Scream Pod. You can also check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream. If you have a idea or a request for an episode or any feedback or any kind words or any scary words, um, you can tweet at us or post about us using the hashtag TGAS. T gas. It's not T gam. It's for not T gam. For literal, a literal year, I, <laughs> for some reason, was abbreviating this show as T gam in my own I mean, head so was I, so. Hey guys, future Devin here for an editor's note. Next week will not be part two of the Internet Horror Series. Instead, that will be pushed to the week after because next week we'll be interviewing David Howard Thornton, who's known for his work on Terrifier, which is a brilliant indie film on Netflix. So check that out and get excited for next week's episode. It's going to be a great one. All right, back to past us. But I believe that's it for us here. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And go get spooked. Let's go get spooked responsibly, safely, smartly. Smartly.